ask most people what you have to do to get into heaven and you'll get an overwhelming amount of people say, just be a good person. Whether it's Islam, Judaism, or secular humanism, the common belief is that getting into heaven is just a matter of following the Ten Commandments or the precepts of the Quran or the golden rule. But is this true? Let's find out today. We're going to hear from my very own husband, Ty. Let's do it. Here's the deal. On any given day, we think 50,000 to 80,000 thoughts. But get this, of those, let's say 50,000, 98% of them are the same ones from yesterday, which means we just keep thinking the same stuff over and over and over again, which is great if it's all true, all encouraging, lovely, praiseworthy. But with the father of the lies on the loose, out to steal your hope, kill your peace, and destroy your faith, my guess is they're not. I know you because I know me. Hi, I'm Heidi Lee Anderson, Christian author, cancer survivor, and social media content creator. And in every episode of the Trade a Lie for a Truth podcast, we're camping out on one thought and picking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to follow the voice of truth above all else. His name is Jesus. Because in his words, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You ready? Let's seize the free abundant life in Christ one thought at a time starting with this episode. We are excited to tackle the lie today that good people go to heaven and trade it for the truth. Well, let's wait to find out. To kick off every episode, we play two truths and a lie. And I got to admit, I feel like I know you tie like the back of my hand. So I think I'm going to be able to sniff out this line pretty fast. We'll see. All right, let's do it. You've been on a roll. You got the last couple, I think, with your... Okay, yeah, yeah. The first vehicle I owned was a pickup truck. Okay. Uh, I was captain of the high school tennis team. And I owned Buffalo in high school. <laughs> okay, and you said your first... First vehicle I owned was, was a pickup truck. Okay, you owned. Mm -hmm. This is tough because I know that you were raised on the farm and you had a truck. But I don't know if it was actually in your dad's name or if you owned it. I feel like, are you trying to trick me? Uh, okay, so we can even say, I'm not trying to trick you. The first <laughs> oh, okay. vehicle I primarily drove, let's say that. Okay, okay, I don't okay, even okay. remember if it was my okay. it's probably my dad's. <laughs> And I know you were captain, I feel like, of your college team, right? Remind me of a third. I owned Buffalo. I know you did. And you were so proud of that. <laughs> so I'm going to go with number two. It's the lie? It's the lie. That is the lie. I did it. You did it. Good job. I am proud yes, of Yes. The first vehicle I owned, it was primarily mine, was a 1978 Chevrolet Scottsdale pickup truck. It was brown, called it Brownie. And I smashed it uh, into the back of the school cook and I got a reckless driving ticket because of it. Ooh. I was underage and had to go to court. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> this is a great start. We went to court. Uh, I got my fine and then my mom took me to Dairy Queen. Good one, Tammy. <laughs> I was captain of the Northwestern College tennis team for two years, but was not the captain of the high school tennis team. That was my buddy and partner, Max. And I did own uh, Buffalo in high school. Do you need to tell them that it escaped? And so the whole that's, town knew about it. That's another podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's another truth and lie. It's a doozy of a story. So we'll get into that sometime. Okay. So let's dive in though, because what's fun about Ty's story, all of our stories are different, right? We have a creative guy. He didn't copy and paste with anyone. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear where Ty has been and how God has brought him through that to bring you to where you are now. 
So where should we begin? Where should we start? What kind of home were you raised in? Maybe let's start there. Yeah, super good, stable home. Grew up on a hobby farm, like you mentioned. Shout out to Tammy and Garney. Yep. Loved my childhood. Loved growing up on the farm. My dad always had pigs when I was super young. And then I got into raising steers, buffalo in high school and everything. Super fun. Great parents. I grew up with two older sisters. We grew up you know, close to where we're at now and super stable, loving family. Fun fact, when he says we all live close to each other, his sisters and mom live within a, how close? Two miles. Two a mile radius. And we actually live just 15 minutes away. <laughs> and so to them, yeah. we seem like we live on the outskirts, like so far from the triangle. We're a little out of the loop because my sisters live next or across the street from each other. <laughs> We just we're, joke around about it because they call us the outsiders. And it's like, y'all, compared to the rest of this world, I mean, we live, we live pretty close. pretty close. Okay, go on. Sorry to jump in. Yeah, no problem. So we, uh, as far as spiritually, we went to the Lutheran church in town and that was primarily tradition. So uh, that was church my grandmother went to and my dad grew up in. And so that's where we went. And that's where we went all the time. My mom helped out with Sunday school. So that was my upbringing was going to the Lutheran church and being in Sunday school, being in the Christmas pageants, rarely missed a Sunday, but did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. It was more along the lines of, you know, good people doing good things and just that's what you thought you should do, but not knowing there was more out there, not having an active personal relationship with Jesus, not seeking him, reading the word all the time, things of that nature. And we always want to stop here because you got to hear us clear. We are not saying that this is how all Lutheran churches are, okay? Because get this, we just went to a Lutheran church up in Moorhead. Shout out to Triumph Lutheran, because when we were there, man, they knew Jesus. They were praying in the spirit. They were full of faith. And so here is clear. This is not a conversation on denomination. Okay. This is a conversation about religion and tradition versus a relationship. Okay. So don't shut down if you are Lutheran and you hear this. Okay. This is not to offend you. I'm sure you love Jesus. 100%. We are here to talk about Ty's story and the specific church that he grew up in. Church I grew up in and, and where we were at at that time. And so I was a good kid, good kid, good grades, good athlete, really good looking. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. That shouldn't have got you that bad. Well, <laughs> just, <laughs> he's so he's normally very humble. So when he throws in those stuff, I just I just want to emphasize it was good and comfortable. Yeah, okay. Okay, we heard you. Yeah. And that's what I grew up believing and what we thought you needed to do to get in heaven. We grew up learning that good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. And if you're on the good side of that, if you try your best and don't do any of the major sins, you'll go to heaven. And the people who don't, if you don't believe in God, or if you commit major sins, then you find your, yourself in hell. And so we grew up thinking that as long as we were good, as long as we didn't do any of the major things, as long as we believed that there was a God, that we would go to heaven, that I would go to heaven. Up until about fifth grade, when I was about 11, I think it was, that's when all that started to change. 
Okay, so tell us about that. So this is a catalyst of something that Ty's mom felt convicted about, okay? And so all you moms out there, I want you to lean in on this part because it was through God prompting Tammy to go a certain way where we're going to see it have a domino effect across her whole family. A very cool story. So Ty, share it with us more about how that came about. Yeah, sometime I'd love for you to have her on. Wouldn't that be Give fun, her. Tammy? <laughs> yeah, next time. But like I said, I was in fifth grade. I have two older sisters. We're at the Lutheran Church where I see my grandma Shirley every week. And uh, primarily it's you know me, my mom bringing us three kids to church. My dad came sporadically usually. A lot of times had farm chores he would stay back for. But then when I was about 11, things happened in her life where she felt like she needed to return to the Lord and start seeking a church that was Bible believing. And so she did. What happened was we were, my mom and I were out getting groceries or something. And one of the churches in a nearby town was having a, I think it was a bake sale or craft show. We went in for, and we ran into my dad's cousin. Her name was Pi, incredible lady. I remember she bought me a Pepsi and some cookies and that <laughs> won me over. <laughs> that's, that's all it, it takes for time. Yeah. But she invited us to that church and uh, it was an Assemblies of God church. So a drastic shift from the Lutheran traditional approach. But she invited us to that church. And so my mom and I went, uh, I think it was just a couple weeks later. And we started searching. My mom was going to go to a couple different churches just to see what was out there, see what kind of Bible believing churches there were. And so we went and I loved it. I thought it was great. It was, you know, like I said, a way different approach. The music was, you know, contemporary. People were actively singing. And it was just different for me that I hadn't seen before. And you could tell something was different too, right? People were, were active and the preaching was more dynamic and talking about a relationship with Jesus and talking about what he's actively doing in their lives. Not just recounting the fun Bible stories of Jonah and the whale and things like that, Noah and the ark, which you definitely have a good firm grasp on in traditional Christianity, but Jesus is doing in their life today, yesterday, praise reports, prayers, things like that. And so that definitely got my attention of where we wanted to, to be. Okay. So at the time, you and your mom were attending this church, right, to check it out, but your whole family didn't come right away, right? Your sisters and your dad were still at the Lutheran church, or what did that look like? Yeah, actually, I heard from my mom. I remember we were on a walk. It was a fall day. That's when she first told me that you don't get to heaven by being good. It's not by anything you do yourself. It's by Jesus Christ alone and by asking him to forgive your sins. And while you may not have committed murder or done any of the major sins, we'd sin daily and we need atonement for that. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we can ask for him to forgive our sins and he will. And he'll meet us there and he'll do that. He loves us and that he'll be with us daily. And so she had told us that and I asked Jesus into my heart that day on that walk. Like I said, that was the first time I had heard that and I accepted Jesus. That sounded like a great deal to me. And it really opened my eyes to the road that we had been walking on previously spiritually. And so that was a shift for our family. So my mom and I are kind of drifting towards the Assemblies of God Church and my sisters and my dad for sure was more attached to the church that he grew up in. 
And my sister was two thirds of the way through confirmation. So she was not as eager to shift course. I think found the Assemblies of God Church appealing too, but also, you know, wanted to finish out her commitment. So we were going back and forth between churches. And it was a real strain on our family to try to go to two different churches, to go to confirmation on Wednesday nights and to go to a different church on Sunday mornings or even split, you know, like my sisters might go to the Lutheran church and we might go to the Assemblies church and it's different every week. And I remember God telling me, and I didn't know if I realized at the time how rare it is to kind of have that impression, but I remember just feeling like God was telling me within a year, your family will be going to church together again. Wow. And that happened. So it, within a year, my sister had finished confirmation and my mom had been praying for my dad and he got saved and we were all going to the assemblies of church then. That's amazing. And there's just a couple things that I think we need to just pause and rejoice over. One, I love that his mom, Tammy, just took him for a walk and shared the good news. You know, it wasn't this, ooh, formal, I've got to have this document of this prayer. It's like, I want to tell you what Jesus has done for my life. And I love that this one conversation, if you are watching on YouTube, you saw me get teary-eyed because it's like her son responded. My husband said yes, that moment. And so moms, don't be hesitant. If you feel like God is leading you to have a conversation with your kids, even if you've already had it before, even if it's not that first conversation, keep talking to them about it because you are planning seeds. And what does Isaiah promise? That his word will never return void. So you're planting the seeds. You don't get to reap the harvest, but you can trust in the one who does. And he's faithful. I just loved that. And I love too about right now we can fast forward and we see the highlight reel like, yeah, now they're all attending church together. But if you were to camp in the middle of when just picture yourself maybe in Tammy's shoes, half of our family is going to one church, she's leading the other way. If you're there right now, don't give up. Don't give up on your family. Keep praying because the Lord is doing things today and we may not see it yet. You may not see the fruit yet. You might just see budding heads and contention within your household. Don't you dare give up, okay? We need you to keep praying for your spouse. We need you to keep praying for your kids, no matter how old they are, no matter if they are a grown adult or a little kid and you keep going to church. You don't give up going to church like other people are in the habit of doing. You keep going and you keep praying and you keep leading by example. And I mean, I think God's going to use it. All right. Commercial break. Guess what? My mom created the coolest thing called Travel Food Passion Week, an eight-day devotional with an easy one-page script. But the best part, there's a daily puzzle piece coloring pages. And by the end of the eight days, you'll finish the whole map of Jerusalem, like literally following Jesus' footsteps. Grab it now when it's under $10. Now, what's next in your story? Well, so another piece I want to highlight, too, is growing up, one of the biggest challenges I had was I would have like a weekly migraine headache. And we didn't know what or why we tried a whole bunch of different things. And we loved Pizza Hut. We loved Pizza Hut. We we still do. (laughs) I don't like Pizza Hut. So I'm like, please, not again. There's nothing better than a pan crust pepperoni Pizza Hut pizza. But we would go and we would go to church on Saturday night. So we would just go out with our family. And we thought it might be tomato sauce. And I would get 
you know, half the pizza without sauce. And it was such a sad time in life to have pizza with, I love sauce, but you just didn't know what it was, but I would like once a week or so I would, you know, end up in the nurse's office at school because my head hurt so bad. I was best friends with the nurse. I was down there all the time, taking a nap, hanging out. I would throw up. Throwing up for me was such commonplace that my sisters would say they could sit in the kitchen and continue to eat dinner while I'm throwing up didn't phase them because it was just, like I said, it, it felt like it was a lot. We went to a healing service at the Assemblies Church. And, you know, I think as adults, sometimes we feel like, I don't know if God still heals just because you see so much more life. I had that childlike faith. Hey, there's a healing service. I need, I need healing. So I went, I went down and they prayed for me to be healed of migraine headaches. And I haven't had a migraine headache since, since that day I got prayed for. But we do want to say at the end of 2023, Ty was having pretty bad headaches on the daily. And it was one of those things where Ty's like, this is my testimony. And it was more of like, he felt wronged. Like the enemy is attacking something that God has healed me from that has that's been a part of my testimony, my walk of faith. How dare he, right? Anyways, we just want to share because he got an MRI. Everything is good. And headaches are few and far between now. Praise the Lord. And there was just a season where we had to keep pressing in. But I think sometimes that's what the enemy does, where he sees something in our past that we thought, okay, that's behind us. And then he loves he loves to keep bringing it into the light. Right? I was going to save that for another podcast. Okay, we'll dive into it another time. But if you're there listening and it feels like the enemy is attacking something in your past, he is ruthless, he is cruel, but greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. That's First John 4, 4. So you hang tight to that promise, okay? And we will digest that in another episode. In another episode. But that's not coincidental that that was what I struggled with growing up. And that is what I was healed of. And then whatever the math ends up being, 20, 25 years later, headaches, I get occasional headaches. That's strategic from the devil to attack that part. Yeah. If you feel a lump or a bump or whatever, that's specific. That's a, a direct attack that we need to stand up against and uh, arm ourselves. Yeah. But again, for another episode. For another episode. But what I really want to hit home on for the, the lie is the contentment there that you're a good person and you feel like, well, I'm good. I don't need God. And that's a lie. That's a lie from Satan that you're good enough, uh, you know, going to church and believing and being a crazy Christian is for other people who need it, not you. And that's a lie. Everyone needs Jesus. Jesus is salvation. And so if you know people who are comfortable, who are good people, don't sit by and watch them go to hell comfortably. Um, invite them to church. Let them know that Jesus has more for them than their comfort, than their contentment. And this reminds me of Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. And I think it'll help shed some light on this lie too. In this passage, I mean, we have this rich, young ruler making sure he has checked off all of his boxes. And he asks Jesus, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Like he's a good man and he knows that he has done a lot, but there is still some lingering doubt there, right? Otherwise, why would he ask it? Because how can you know for sure? How can you be 100% positive that you have done enough, that you are a good human, you are worthy to be ushered into heaven's gates, no one bad in the eye? 
And Jesus tries to get him to see the truth right away. And he's all like, there is only one who is good. And it is the one with a capital O. But okay, like if you think you are so good, good enough to get into heaven, then keep the commandments. And the young guy wants more details now. He's all like, well, which ones, which commandments? And Jesus lists up, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do any of these sound familiar? It's like, these are all the qualities that should always personify someone who is good. And at this, the guy perks up. He's like, okay, great. I have obeyed all these commandments, actually all of them since my youth even. So I've arrived. Now what? What else must I do? And it's here Jesus cuts right to the heart with laser beam precision because he knows as the perfect judge, mind you, exactly where this man is failing. And he says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And it is here when this young guy hears it, that he walks away sad. Why? And it says in scripture, for he had many possessions. And here's what we got to see to help us trade the lie that all good people go to heaven for the truth. I mean, straight up Romans 3, 12 says there is no one who does good, like not even one. And I think we all know this intrinsically, right? We know we aren't perfect. We know we aren't enough. That's why we keep yelling at our kids. That's why we keep sinking into fear. That's why we keep worrying about our future because we know in and of ourselves that we are not enough. And Jesus perfectly diagnosed this man's lack. He knew that he had this attachment to his wealth. But get this, not only did this show the man's great wealth had become an idol in his life, thus breaking the first First commandment that you should have no other gods before me. But then on the other side of the pendulum, then his greed broke the 10th, the last commandment that you shall not covet, that that has to do with our motivation of just wanting more and more and more. And so by the end of this conversation between Jesus and this young man, we see the reality of this man's heart that he himself wasn't even aware of. And it's that he couldn't even keep the first commandment all the way down to the last. The disciples overhearing this, I mean... <laughs> They were alarmed. It says in scripture, they were astounded and we can't blame them because this seems like a lot. And they asked, then who in the world can be saved? And in verse 26, Jesus looked at them intently, it says, and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. And this is the gospel that all have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And the penalty we know, the wages of sin, it is death, Romans 6.23. But good news for us, God did not wait until we cleaned ourselves up and figured out a way to somehow be good. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still getting stuff wrong, Christ died for us. It even says while we were still his enemies, he died for us. So before we even loved him, he loved us. And that is the heart of God right there. For God so loved you. God so loved me. God so loved this whole world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, says John 8, but will have everlasting life. It says whoever believes this, you get to know with absolute assurance 
that you're going to heaven. Jesus answered this lie with the truth for us when he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only Jesus is the gate. Only Jesus is the way. He is the good sacrifice that was given once and for all. Hebrews 10.10. And then he gives his righteousness now to us, now to those who believe in his name. That's Romans 1.17. Amen. Amen. And so if you carry anything forward from this episode, one, Christianity is the only religion that tells you you will never be good enough on your own. Every other religion, it is all about what you've done good or bad. And Christianity is the only one that is based on what someone else has done for you, who was and is 100% purely good. And number two, salvation is not based on our goodness, but on Jesus's goodness. And we can bank our entire eternity on him with certainty and assurance. Hallelujah. All right. Now to end every episode, it is always fun to do these rapid fire questions. And normally Ty helps me with them. So he has an inside peek when other people are being interviewed, but Ty does not know these ahead of time. I came up with them all on my own. This feels a little less comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite worship song currently? Ooh. And I ask this because I don't know if you guys know this, but Ty is like my worship guy. Like if I'm asking what song should I put behind this reel or what new song are you listening to? I mean, he is like listening to worship music on the daily, on repeat, and he knows when the newest ones come out. So he is my go-to when I ask what needs to be put on my playlist. I've got some new ones that I really like. Okay, tell us. So You don't have to just choose one. Yeah, I got a couple here. I'm really on this Benjamin William Hastings kit. Oh, yeah? And a song's called Eden, Isn't It Just Like God? That's probably the one I've listened to the most the last three weeks. I hit it on repeat, but I feel like that's probably my number one right now. And it looks like Abandoned is also on your playlist. Yep. I'm looking at a screen right now. Yep. And then Elevation Worship just came out with a song called Another One. They always have good headbangers. But my favorite complete album right now that I could listen to multiple times a day, every day is Brandon Lake's Tear Off the Roof. You know that. I listen to 100%. it 100%. All the time. All the time. Getting really close to having the rap from Count Em Down. <laughs> He's been working hard. <laughs> He's been working hard on it. Okay, I love it. Number two, would you rather sit in church front row or back row? For sure, back row. That That's a tribute back to Grandma Shirley. She was already referenced earlier. We always sat back row. Always. And we did uh, this morning. We sat uh, second to back row because the high schoolers had the back row. <laughs> they took it from us. True. For sure, back row. I, I am not comfortable in the front. I could do it if you wanted to, but if it's my choice, I'm better. It is kind of pressure in the, and in to the front. Be, to be fair, at concerts, I like back row, right? True. Same. Okay, number three. You don't drink alcohol, but if you were at the wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine, would you have a glass? 100%. You would. I have to. How many glasses? How, how good is it? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Probably just one. Probably just one. Right? Probably just one would be enough. Yeah, can you honestly tell me, look right there, can you tell them that if Jesus had made wine, you would not drink that wine? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're not getting into this conversation. Okay, number four. Do you take the best parking spot available at church or do you leave the best for others? Great question. Leave it. This is one of the main points of contention in our marriage (laughs) because Ty 
even no matter how late we are, I mean, he is parking in the back and we are hiking when it is like negative below and we need to get in. Couple of reasons. One, somebody that might be new or late or stressed needs that parking space or someone like you, that makes your day. If you it get really does. if you get a good parking spot, front row is open. That doesn't matter to me. That's fewer steps. I want more steps. <laughs> So I don't take the last row anymore. I used to park in the back row of things. With you now, we just park a little further. We compromise, but... I appreciate that. I know I specifically chose that question because I know Ty is very passionate about that. And I'm like, if I see an open parking spot in the front row, I'm taking it as a good If I am late, if we are stressed, I will take best available. Yeah, that's true. Okay, okay. Okay, number five. Would you rather be cooped up in the ark for 377 days taking care of animals yes. all day like yep. Noah or, yep. or, or, or yep. lay on your side for 390 days like Ezekiel? Put me in the ark. What? <laughs> I don't know. It feels kind of nice to have an excuse to just lay there. What? <laughs> You gotta have two like equal things, right? That's equal. I would choose laying on the side. I'm not taking care of animals and stuck in an ark. That would be beautiful. I would love that. Farm kid. Hashtag farm kid. That would that not be like the best job? No, the dream to me is that's that like if you were gonna be put in a Bible story, I would be Noah. That would be awesome, right? I would need <laughs> no, a lot would of help. Be. I would need a lot of help to build the ark. But once there I don't know. I think the fact that Ezekiel just got to like lay on his side as like an example to the people around him, like you need to wake up, seems like a fun way to to kind of point people to God. <laughs> okay, okay. Hanging with the ostriches and kangaroos. Teach their own, I suppose. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and trade a lie for a truth. I hope that by this point, you can trade the lie that good people go to heaven for the truth, that those who believe in Jesus get to go to heaven. And we can be sure of that. Now, don't forget it. If you haven't grabbed your Passion Week devotional, we just launched it this last week. Not only do you get to follow Jesus's footsteps throughout Passion Week, like where he went Tuesday, that is where your family is going to. We follow him as if in real time. But by the very end of it, your kids will have a completed map of Jerusalem. And since 65% of people are visual, let's help our kids learn about Jesus and the best story ever told his resurrection with something that they can actually grasp with their own eyes. I'm excited. Yep. Level up your family Easter experience this year. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.